I'm Vic Alvarado. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at Mission Church, and I get to collaborate and coordinate with an incredible team of not only pastors and staff, but uh, church leaders, the stewards, the trustees, the facility staff, and uh, I just, I'm just, uh, I just get to to work with them and plan with them, and it's an honor for me to be here. Pastor Tony and Heidi are up in Idaho visiting with her family, celebrating Thanksgiving, and they send their greetings to you. They're thinking about you at this moment, and they're praying for you. And uh, he allowed me to come out of the bullpen and to, uh, and to uh, bring the word to you this morning, so I'm, I'm so grateful to do that. Will you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke Chapter 17. We're going to look at a very familiar passage uh, of Scripture that uh, that you know very, very well. And uh, it's just an honor for me to bring God's Word to you this morning. And uh, will you stand in, in honor of God's Word as I read out of Luke chapter 17, begin, beginning with verse 11 through 19. This is what Dr. Luke wrote. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing, speaking of Jesus, along between Samaria and Galilee. And as they entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them... When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, uh, he was a Samaritan, and Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. It is estimated that Americans will consume about 46 million turkeys this Thanksgiving. That equals to 525 million pounds of turkey meat. Since most of us, if not all of us, will consume turkey this week, uh, I thought you would like to know some facts about turkeys. (laughs) Turkeys sleep in trees at night. They fly to the ground at first light and they they feed until mid-morning. They start gobbling before sunrise and continue through most of the morning. And males make the gobbling noise to attract the females. And the females make a clicking noise. I'm not sure if that's to distract. The males, I don't know anything about that. Their field of vision is 270 degrees. While turkeys have excellent hearing... A turkey can run up to 25 miles per hour, and they can fly a short distance at 55 miles an hour. However, domesticated turkeys can't fly. 
The mature turkey has around 3,500 feathers. The Apache Indians considered the turkey to be timid, and they wouldn't eat the turkey. In fact, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even put their feathers of a turkey on their arrows because they thought the turkey was too timid. The male turkey is called the tom, the female turkey is called the hen, the baby turkey is called the poult. Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be the national birds of the United States, but Thomas Jefferson opposed that idea, and it is believed that Franklin was so upset that he named the the turkey, the male turkey, a tom, just to spite Jefferson. (laughs) Turkey contains altryptophan, an amino acid which produces sleepiness, as you well know. So if your neighbor falls asleep during the sermon this morning, nudge them and ask them, did you have turkey today? (laughs) So now that I made you hungry or hangry, let me ask you, what is your favorite holiday? According According to the surveys, Christmas happens to be Americans' number one holiday that they, they delight in. The holiday which comes in last in popularity, any guesses? Thanksgiving. Only 2% rank it as their favorite. Where would you rank it? For God, Thanksgiving is his favorite. It is a glorious and wonderful thing to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and we should do that every single day, not just on December 25th, but every single day that we live, we should celebrate the coming, the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But Thanksgiving is is the one observance which is commanded by God. In fact, it's absolutely mandated in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances... For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thanksgiving is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for me. So, so why is Thanksgiving so important to God? Today's, today's message that we just read is, gives us this really simple truth. Write this down in your bulletin this morning. Giving thanks to God is key. To his presence and his power in our lives. Thanksgiving is key. Thanksgiving to God is key to his presence and his power in our lives. Whether we know it or realize it, we all need God's power and presence in our lives today and every single day. The encounter Jesus had with the leper in Luke 17 shows us how to utilize this important key. And so I want us to revisit this incident, this story, this encounter for just a moment. Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem en route to his eventual crucifixion and resurrection when he encountered ten men who had leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible could be could be described as Hansen's disease today or a bacterial disease which affects the nerves and the upper respiratory tract and producing skin lesions. It also damages the nerves, it damages the limbs, it damages the eyes. But the word could also apply to a large variety of skin ailments like psoriasis. Fearing being contaminated, people isolated lepers from society. 
In fact, there were strict rules and regulations that are listed in Leviticus, Leviticus 13 and in Numbers chapter 5. Therefore, lepers, they lived together. They lived in colonies. And they, they did that for self-preservation, self-protection, and also self-provision. These lepers in Luke 17 apparently heard of Jesus' great healing powers and compassion. They heard about what he did in Luke chapter 5 when he healed that one leper. When he reached down and he touched the leper and he healed him and he sent him on his way to go see the priest. They heard about that. They must have. And so they stood at a distance and they called out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When Jesus saw them at a distance, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Unlike what he did in Luke chapter 5, he didn't touch them. He didn't go near them. He just told them to, to take the action required of a leper who had been healed of leprosy. In that culture, it was, it was the priest. It was the priest that certified and gave a leper a clean bill of health and permission to re-enter, re-engage society. And so Jesus encouraged them to believe, and the Bible tells us that as they went, they were cleansed. It's important to know that faith does not earn the blessing of God, but it is needed to experience His grace. And so as these lepers, I'm sure the conversation was a little bit longer than we see in Scripture, but as the lepers obeyed Christ and on their way to see the priest, they were changed, they were healed, they were cleansed. The passage next tells us that one of them, when he realized what had happened, he turned around the Samaritan did something completely the opposite of what the other nine did. He turned around and he went back. In fact, he portrayed three unrejectable expressions of gratitude. The first one is this. He praised Jesus with a thunderous voice. Upon realizing he was healed, he didn't care who heard him. Or how he sounded, all he cared about was expressing his heart of gratitude to the one who gave him his life. Who restored his life back to him. I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we showed up on Sunday morning. I wonder what would happen if we showed up on Sunday morning and we raised our voices like we were the only one in the room. And we did it together. You know what would happen? Our worship team would be in shock. <laughs> they would be so, they would be so in shock, or perhaps even distracted that it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. The Samaritan came and expressed his joy and his gratitude in a thunderous voice. He didn't care. He didn't care. Because he knew that the one who had healed him 
gave him his life back. A second unrejectable expression of gratitude is that we see in this Samaritan is that he threw himself at Jesus' feet. This was a decision of admission, a posture of submission, and a demonstration that Jesus was worthy of adoration. The Samaritan came and he just didn't bow. He threw, the scripture says, he threw himself at Jesus' feet, his face to the ground in complete adoration and humility. A third unrejectable expression of gratitude is this. He thanked Jesus for his healing. By crediting Jesus for his miraculous healing, he was acknowledging him as God. And whenever we thank the Lord, we simply are giving credit where credit is due. And acknowledging his sovereignty in our lives. Every time we stop and we pause and we thank God, what we are doing in that moment, whether we realize it or not, all heaven knows this. Is we are saying, Jesus, you are Lord. You are sovereign. And I want to tell you that that is true in my life. He thanked Jesus for his healing. The third unrejectable expression is he thanked Jesus for his healing. Again, how did Jesus respond? In Luke 17, 19, we read, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. The word well, if you have your Bible open, you might want to circle that. The word well means that he was fully restored. He was made whole again. The nine who were healed, they were healed physically. The gratitude of the Samaritan allowed him to be healed not only physically, but spiritually. He was completely made whole. In God's economy, when we acknowledge him as our healer and our provider through our gratitude, he, the great physician, the great priest, makes us whole. Our attitude of gratitude allows us to experience the fullness and the wholeness of God. Every time? Every time, if we're sincere. Let me ask you this. Are you experiencing His wholeness in every area of your life today? You see, it is God's desire for you to experience not just, not just a part of Him, it is God's desire for you to experience all of Him, all of His blessings. He wants you to know that what He did on the cross has made you well forever. The truth is, too many believers are not experiencing all that God wants to give, give us because we have given it to the following. Three enemies of thanksgiving. The first is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of thanksgiving. In our story, the, the nine lepers took action and which, which led their, which led to their healing, their physical healing. Jesus did not physically touch them. This was their work. 
there was this action that they took. It's easy to think that, that we have earned what we, what we have and that, that our blessing is the result of our own efforts. But is that really completely true? Let me, allow me to illustrate for just a moment. If we were to, if we were to shrink the world's population to a village precisely of a hundred people with all the existence human ratios remaining, remaining the same, the village would contain the following breakdown of people. There would be a hundred, a hundred people. Sixty of them would be Asian. Sixteen would be African. Fourteen would come from the Western Hemisphere. And ten would come, would be Europeans. Fifty of the hundred would be female and fifty of the male of the others would be male. Twenty-five of the hundred would be children and seventy-five of them would be adults. Nine of the adults would be over the age of 65. Seventy-eight of the hundred in the village would live in substandard housing. Fourteen of the hundred would be unable to read or write. Eleven would suffer from malnutrition Do you know how many of them would have a college degree? Seven. How many of them would be connected to the internet? (laughs) Of the hundred. Any guesses? Forty. So let me ask you. Did you deserve, did you do anything to deserve the physical abilities you you have rather than the challenges? Did you do anything to deserve being born in America rather than in North Korea? Did you do anything to deserve the parents who loved you and not abused you? Did you deserve the privileges and the opportunity that you enjoy today? Did you do anything? Let me ask you this. When was the last time You thanked God, really thanked Him. When was the last time you raised your voice in praise and adoration? When was the last time you found yourself on your face before Him? When was the last time you thanked Him for being all that He is in your life? You see, uh, everything that we have, everything that we are, has come from the hand of God. You see, self-sufficiency is the enemy of thanksgiving. A second enemy is busyness. Busyness is the enemy of thanksgiving. The nine lepers had much to do. They needed to be examined by the priest and readmitted into society. They had to, to go find their families they, they, to begin their life again. And they had to find jobs and start new jobs. In short, they needed to do all these things that would reinstate them, that reinitiate life to them. They were too busy. They were too busy to return and give thanks to Jesus. But it's easy for us. It's easy for us to judge them and to point the finger at them and say, What were you thinking? 
Don't you realize what just happened to you? Yet if we're honest, we'd admit that we do the same thing. You see, we're busy. (laughs) We're really, really busy people. Every one of us. Have you, um, have you heard of the Sink Eaters Anonymous group? It's a support group of people who are so busy they, they eat most of their meals while standing over the kitchen sink to speed things up. I heard of an executive who, who ate his lunch while uh, making his way down the cafeteria, the, the company cafeteria line, and when he, when he finally got to the end of the line to pay for his meal, he already consumed his meal. Society would give that guy a medal of honor for his efficiency, wouldn't it? We like to be efficient. We like to just combine everything. And as as I was working on this message this week, I was sitting at my desk eating my lunch. And I thought to myself, (laughs) God has a sense of humor. He says, dude, do you know what you're doing right now? (laughs) I was just sitting there scarfing down a couple pieces of pizza and I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Why? Because we're busy. We're all busy. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you hit the pause button just to express genuine and sincere gratitude to God? Will you just stop? Thank you, Lord. We're self-sufficient. We're busy. And the third enemy of Thanksgiving is spiritual ignorance is the enemy of Thanksgiving. Luke 17 tells us that, that only one was made well. Only one. In other words, the others missed all that God had for them. Most people who claim to be followers of Jesus don't genuinely give thanks to Him, not, not because they don't want to, but, but because they don't realize they need to. They are unaware, they are naive, they're, they're simply ignorant. They have forgotten. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The Apostle Paul tells us to, to give thanks not for all circumstances, but in them. In them. Jesus, in the garden, sweat drops of blood on the cross, and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible does not say that all things are good, but that God works through all things for Good. Romans 8.28 why, why is thanksgiving required in all things? Because thanksgiving leads us to the presence and the power of God. That's why. Psalm 104 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And during the time of Christ, the gates of the temple were the, the first entry point. The courts was, was the era where the worship was, would take place for the people of God. And when we worship the Lord, we give thanks to Him. We are able to spiritually enter past the gates and into the courts of the Almighty to experience His presence and His power. This is how we meet God. Thanksgiving is the key 
that unlocks the gates of heaven. That's why the songs of ascent were so important to the people of Israel. In Psalms, from Psalms 120 to Psalms 134, if you have a moment sometime today or this week, I would encourage you to read the songs of ascent, Psalms 120 to 134. They were sung by the people of God as they ascended upward to the mount, the temple mount of Jerusalem, which stands about 2,500 feet above the sea level in the valley below. And as they climbed to the, up the steps of the temple, the worshipers of God would sing. In fact, the southern steps of the temple mount are still present today. And the, the builders constructed them with two normal steps and then a long step. Their design was prompted, prompted the worshiper to slow down, to slow down and to reverently pause and pray and praise. And so when they, as they were ascending up to the steps of the temple, they would take two steps and one long step. The long step was stop. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're about to do. They literally came to the courts of God, praising Him and honoring Him and acknowledging Him with thanksgiving. As we wrap up, let me ask you this. Is Thanksgiving a holiday or a holy day for you? Is it an annual event, a ritual, a tradition, or, a, or is it a daily experience? When you see who God is and what He's done in the past, is doing in the present and will do in the future, do you restrain yourself from giving Him thanks and praise? Not because you don't want to, but somehow we have forgotten that we need to. Does He not deserve our daily attitude of gratitude? Does he not deserve our, our lifestyle of thanksgiving? You see, the Lord desires for us all to experience him in his holiness, in his power, in his grace, and in his glory. That's why thanksgiving, that's why thanksgiving is God's favorite. Because in that moment, in that moment, we are one with God. We realize in the moment of thanksgiving, we are one with Him. Is that your desire today? I invite you to pray. Will you take a moment? Will you take a moment right where you are? And just ask the Lord, Lord, I heard what you said to me, and this is my desire today. What is God asking of you this morning? In a moment, we're going to take of communion. (laughs) It is designed, communion is designed for us to remember. It's not a ritual. It's not some religious experience. That's not what Jesus intended at all. He told his disciples very clearly, as often as you gather, do this one thing. Will you 
will you just remember me? <laughs> will you just do that? We're going to partake of communion today. Communion is open to any, anyone who knows Jesus as Lord and King. But if you need to do, and if you need to have a conversation with the Lord this morning, will you do that before you come? Maybe your conversation is just one of thanksgiving and praise. Maybe your conversation is one of confession. Whatever you need to do, will you do that before you come and partake of these emblems? Because, because if you don't do that, you're not remembering His Lordship. Jesus asked, just remember me. There's four stations here this morning. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and there's going to be uh, some, some communion emblems just to come and... Uh, it's okay, brother Robert, come on up. And uh, we're just going to put these um, these emblems of communion at these four stations. And, uh, and when you come, when you're ready to come, just come and partake here at the table. When you're done with your cup, you can just leave it here at the table. Just symbolizing the family that we have. This week you're going to have Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving lunch with your family. And you're just gonna you're just gonna leave pretty much everything at the table, aren't you? This is a this is a family gathering here. When you're done drinking, when you're done when you're com- done partaking of the bread, symbolizing all the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. Just leave them at the table. I invite you just to spend these moments with God. And worship him as we, uh, and when you're ready, you can come and partake. Father, may that be the prayer of our heart today. Father, may we desire nothing else, because nothing else is more important than you. Help us, Lord God. We need your help. We need your help to remember. Thank you for helping us to remember this morning. Lord God, we owe you our lives. Thank you for sharing all of yours with us. For giving us your life. For making us whole for making us well, for keeping your promise. Lord God, that you would send the Messiah to come and deliver us and to remove everything that keeps us from you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus.